Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkillstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about creating an authentic personal brand that breaks through and reaches audiences. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Jen Dalton, uh, founder and CEO of Brand Mirror. Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about personal branding with you and with your listeners today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you. Uh, why don't you start by giving a little background on yourself and what you're currently doing? Absolutely. So I am a third generation entrepreneur. My, my parents were entrepreneurs. Their parents were entrepreneurs. And so even though I spent about 10 years in the corporate world, I always knew I wanted to start my own business. So 10 years ago, I started Brand Mirror, where I focus on personal brand and the intersection of that with company brands. So whether it's a startup founder and helping them use their current reputation to launch this new business brand that doesn't have a brand yet, or whether it's a CEO and their executive team thinking about how it is each of their personal brands growing revenue, retaining talent? You know, how is it shaping the face of the business? Uh, those are the, the types of clients I work with and the projects I work on, which I just find fascinating. You know, people follow leaders, not logos. And so I think personal brand over the last 20 years has really come into its own. Great. Well, yeah. So third generation entrepreneur, I'm, I'm a, as a second generation, um, I can, <laughs> I can, I can appreciate that. That's, that's great. Well, um, so let's, let's start by talking about crafting an authentic personal brand that feels real. 
Um, so how would you characterize a strong personal brand? What, is, what does it consist of? For me, a strong personal brand is all about knowing your values. It's about knowing what are your strengths, not just your passion, right? People talk a lot about identify your passion and go go monetize it or or make money pursuing it, which, you know, that that's not bad advice. I think what has to go in, in hand in hand with that is your purpose, right? What are your skills? What are your strengths? Where do you have natural ability that you can double down on? And so from a personal brand standpoint, I think understanding who you are, your strengths, your values is one piece of the puzzle. I think the second piece is knowing how are you perceived? You know, a personal brand is your reputation. We're not products as individuals. However, we do have a brand. We do have a reputation. And so asking for feedback and input is huge. We can't define our brand in a vacuum. Uh, and then I think the third piece is who are you trying to compete with? And I, and I hate to say that we all have competitors. We do. I hate to break the news <laughs> to people uh, who are listening. But And I think of it more as what conversations and what impact are you trying to make? And who's already in that space? And how do you build a personal brand as a, an expert or someone who is learning to become an expert in a space? How do you build your own platform, your own conversation with what's already being talked about? And so those are the pieces that I think help someone create an authentic brand so that it's not done in a vacuum and you can understand what really differentiates you from others and what's your real purpose and your personal mission. Yeah, and so to kind of build on the the differentiation and the the competition aspect of that, you know, so there's there's a lot of talk about personal branding and a lot of um, both established as well as in, aspiring influencers out there. How should someone think about creating a personal brand that cuts through all the noise out there? You know, knowing again that there is there can often be a crowded field. Absolutely, I think for people who are trying to influence and shape conversation and really find their audience, um, there are two things at least that need to happen. One is be very clear on your audience, right? If we're building a personal brand for everyone, we're building a personal brand for no one. And so thinking about what problems are you solving? Who has them? How can you help? them learn and get value from what you know is key. I think being authentic to me is really about building over time your credibility and sharing that, right? We all have a personal brand, even if you're 15, 20, 30, 50, we all have a personal brand. The question is, how are you managing it? And are you controlling the narrative around it? And again, that doesn't mean that it's inauthentic. It just means if we want to convey a personal brand authentically and be associated with certain words, certain topics, certain ideas, then we have to own that narrative um, because that's how people are going to talk about you. That's how they're going to think about you. So I think for influencers, if you're just starting out, 
you you have to start somewhere. So maybe you start looking at, well, who are the big thought leaders that you could write about and what you like? Or what do you share that you're learning along the way? Because at some point, you won't be a beginner anymore. You'll be more of an expert. And then you can really start to share your insights, your uh, opinions or research, right, that helps you find your voice and really be differentiated and targeted in a meaningful way. So let's uh, switch gears a little bit and, and talk about uh, communication within the corporate environment. So, you know, we've been talking about um, someone defining their personal brand. Um, sort of, you know, one way of looking at that is, you know, when, when you're marketing yourself, um, it's sort of you're you're the you're the sole company or product or, or whatever that that you're that you're marketing and branding. But you know when you're within a member of a team, you know what's the what's the right way to think about balancing, you know your personal aspirations and a personal brand while while you're working as a member of a team, um, when that team really needs to be a cohesive unit as well. Such a great question. When I think about building your personal brand. Uh, first of all, personal branding in my mind is not personal bragging, right? Your personal brand is really just about how do you want people to talk about you when you're not in the room, right? What are the promises you're making to the people you work with? So for example, if part of your brand is I want to show up on time and I want to be known for collaboration and to be known as innovative, Great. So then what would that look like in a team setting? Does that mean you uh, get together folks and you do brainstorming or, you know, retroactive assessments on how did this project go and what do we want to do differently next time? You're simply making that happen. You're not standing up, beating your chest going, I am the best at collaboration, right? Or innovation. So I think it's identifying those promises that you want your brand to deliver on. If it's, I want to be known as someone who's trustworthy or who is supportive of my team. Great. If I were to observe that, what would that mean? Right. It it could mean I meet with everybody on my team, whether they report to me or whether we're just peers working together once a month and we go grab coffee and we just get to know each other. And I learn about what they're interested in. And I help them, you know, if I see an article that I think they would like, I send it to them, right? So having a personal brand doesn't mean you have to win and somebody else's personal brand has to lose. It's more about knowing your strengths, communicating that within the context of a team and asking other people, what are their strengths? What gets them excited? And, and really helping find the, the optimal way to work together. So again, I don't think you have to sacrifice someone else's personal brand for your own. If you are, then you're doing it wrong. It's really just about knowing where do you add value and letting other people know that and also helping them add value and and provide recognition to them as well. And to kind of um, go a little further into the the team dynamic, um, what about... Um, you know, difficult conversations. And, you know, so it's not always, um, uh, it's not always personal brand related stuff. It's not always, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes not only is there conflict, but also there's just tough decisions or or tough things need to happen. So, you know, what's your advice to, 
the individuals working within a team environment to help them understand how to have these conversations when, you know, that it, it might be difficult getting to a good, a good end result. Difficult conversations, I think over time have become even more difficult because people want to avoid conflict. Um, from a personal brand standpoint, if we're avoiding conflict and not sharing what we think or where we want to make an improvement, are we really being authentic and true to ourselves? So whether it's at work or at home, being open to having difficult conversations, because that's the only way you move forward, is a huge skill. So I would say first, if you don't love difficult conversations, you know, tiptoe into it, right? Have a discussion with someone about what's the best show on Netflix and why. But there are some ground rules that I think make a big difference, especially in the workplace. One is when you are getting ready to go into a difficult conversation, be really clear on, is this your conversation to have? So a lot of times in the workplace, we might have someone reach out and say, hey, Greg, you know Judy really well. Could you give her this feedback for me? Because I think she'd, she'd really love to hear it from you more than me. Right. If you're being the messenger, that's not your conversation. So once you know, is this my conversation? If the answer is yes, then what is success? Right. What is um, success for you? What is success for the other person? One of the skills I've had to practice a lot is the art of listening. And when you go in to talk with someone, again, you're not going in to win or lose. You're going in to move forward. So being able to identify what might trigger the person you're speaking with and how do you navigate that? Um, the last thing I would say, and I think this is huge, it's important to understand, seek to understand their situation without judgment, which is really hard. And when we see a person as an obstacle, that should be a red flag because we no longer see them as a person. We see them as something that needs to get out of our way. And if you're going into a difficult conversation, we have to remember that the person on the other side of that conversation is human and who knows what's going on in their life, right? And so asking questions, setting boundaries, and also realizing that maybe it's three or four conversations. You know, not all difficult conversations, most of them don't get solved in one conversation. So, you know, start in with a, a very small win. If it's someone you don't have a good relationship with, Maybe just sit down and learn more about them. And that's a good win. And your next conversation could be maybe you start to share feedback or get ideas together. So I just think plan it out. We don't want to rush a difficult conversation, uh, but we do want to plan going into it and really try to be methodical. Yeah, that's great. And and so kind of along those lines as well is um, not even just... Um, about conflict or, or difficult conversations, but let's, um, you've, you've used the term elevator dialogue and I, I, I like that, uh, like that term. Um, can you define what that means? And then, you know, I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit more about it. Sure. When I think of elevating our dialogue, most people go into a conversation to be heard and are wanting to share what you want to share as opposed to going in to really listen. And I think a big part of that is 
<clears throat> if you're going in to have a, a conversation with someone, are you open to learning? Are you open to being wrong? Right? What are you going to contribute and what would you like to learn? Because we can always learn something from everyone. And so I think to elevate the dialogue, it's asking better questions. It's being fully present, putting away your phone and really listening and seeking to understand someone. Um, they say that it takes over 200 hours to really build a solid relationship, right? You're not going to build it in one conversation. So I think elevating our dialogue means really building rapport and getting to know someone. And in our space of whether it's Zoom or email or text, um, oftentimes we're running around so busy doing work that we forget to stop and really get to know the people we work with and build the know, like, and trust factor. How do you define leaders' roles in, in this, uh, you know, in fostering better dialogue between employees? I think leaders right now, one, there aren't, as, there aren't enough. Yeah. <laughs> we need more. I think the big thing for leaders is to lead by example. So if they're sharing um, what they're working on for the week, what they're thinking about, what they're focused on, who are they outside of work, right? If they set the tone for, hey, we need to get to know each other better and I'm going to start, right, to build trust, or if they share what, not necessarily all of the mistakes they've made, right, but it's okay to share that there is a mistake. It's okay for a leader to say, um, you know, this is how I may come across. And you know, let's say it's someone who's very direct. It could be someone as a, a leader saying, gosh, if I come across too direct, it's just because I'm trying to be efficient with time and I respect your time. It's not because I don't care. So if you do have time, let's slow down and talk more so we can get to know each other. So leaders can set the stage for sharing their strengths and also uh, explaining why they're communicating the way they are and set that stage for people. Because a lot of times, you know, I, the other phrase I tell my clients is telepathy is not a strategy. <laughs> so if you need someone to understand why your communication style is the way it is, to give them space to honestly forgive you a little bit or to help understand where you're coming from, that's something leaders can set the tone for, Right holding people accountable for what's appropriate in the workplace, holding people accountable for having um, real conversations, having icebreakers where you really get to talk, not just diving into a meeting and saying, okay, what's the update? So I think leaders play a huge role in exhibiting and showing what it means to foster dialogue. Yeah. What can leaders do to get better at, at this? You know, so is it, you know, does it, can you practice? Can you, you know, what, what kind of things, uh, cause you gave some great examples of, of what they can do, you know, immediately, but you know, what's, what, what could a leader do to, to just exercise that, that muscle, so to speak? Well, I think one is to establish some ground rules around how they want communication to occur. So if a leader wants to set the tone for, we have a team that's constantly, learning from our mistakes and innovating, 
then how are they showing that, right? Are they holding brainstorming sessions where the team shares, hey, here's what we failed on, here's what we want to do better and make it safe, right? And not punish people for that. If a leader wants to um, respect people's time, give them more time to work, which, you know, many people are over meeting right now, then go from having a one hour team meeting to having a 15 minute stand up. Or as a leader, you say, you know, what did we accomplish yesterday? What are we working on today? And how can I remove obstacles? Right. And make that a dialogue. So I think it's also from the leader standpoint to think about their personal brand as a leader. What would they want people to say about them as far as how they led the team? If it's being approachable, well, what does that mean? If it's being someone who cares about their employees, well, do they talk with their employees about career paths, right? What are the conversations they're having? Uh, Because everyone's better at some conversations and not great at others. So identifying where you might have gaps and asking for feedback is a huge way to get started on that path. You know, ask your, your team, how do they want to have communication? Ask each person, how do they like to communicate? Some people want to have phone calls. Some people want to communicate via email. So you can start small by just asking some of those questions. You know, what communications would help our team run better and see what people say, right? See what their feedback is. But then you've got to go exercise that feedback and take action. Yeah, I love it. Well, one last question before we wrap up here. Um, Do you have any recommendations for you know, based on what we've been talking about here, something that somebody can read, watch, listen to um, in order to learn a, a little bit more about what we discussed today? Sure. I mean, I um, I have books that I would recommend like um, Leadership and Self-Deception. That's a fantastic book that really hits on this idea of if you see people as an obstacle, then you're missing something huge. And the problem is with you not necessarily with the person you're going to speak with. Um, I think You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy is a fantastic book. There's a, a book called Power Questions, which a lot of great dialogue is about asking questions. <clears throat> For me, you know, I've, I've written two books, so obviously I, I like my books, but <laughs> yeah. one is called The Intentional Entrepreneur, which is about how do you take your personal brand and launch a business and then How does that shape the business over time? So there's lots of great examples and case studies, and I share a lot of the process for how I think about personal branding. And then as I was going through my own difficult conversations in life, uh, that's what prompted me to write my second book called Listen. And it's all about every chapter is a different type of difficult conversation. Some of them are work-related, some of them are personal, and I interview 30 different people and capture who are good at communicating and capture what are their best practices. Um, and then I provide a framework at the end of that book around how do we think about communication in a structured way that can help us navigate what often are really emotional discussions. Um, for me, if I have structure, I can navigate conversations and situations a lot more easily because I can see where, where we're at in a conversation. Are we just in the listen mode? Am I trying to change someone's mind? Like what's really happening? And then that helps me figure out what do I do next? Um, that may not work for everybody, but that's something that I know has helped me 
<clears throat> through the research. So yeah, those, those other books I mentioned, I think are fantastic. Again, leadership and self-deception. Um, Choosing Civility is a fantastic book. There's so many books on communication, crucial conversations, you know, just start um, and practice. And again, you can start small, but do get started because this skill is one that will only become more and more important. So the longer we avoid difficult conversations and put them off, the harder it is. The, the best visual I can think of is often we talk about the elephant in the room. Um, but the elephant wasn't a huge elephant in the beginning, right? It was a small baby elephant that you could have figured out what to do with it. So when we put off difficult conversations, we're making that elephant really big, uh, which makes it much harder to to fix later. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for all those recommendations and, and completely agree. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? I would love for people to find me on LinkedIn and connect there. Uh, they also can find me on brandmirror.com and thenoisebreaker.com. And of course, uh, they can follow me on social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, or Medium. Uh, I'm there as well. And, and reach out with questions. My email is jendalton at brandmirror.com. I love talking about branding, difficult conversations. And I love helping people figure that out. Wonderful. Well, um, again, I'd like to thank Jen Dalton, founder and CEO of Brand Mirror, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.